Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Know It All, the ABCs of Education, where we have candid conversations about the education issues that impact you and your community and the real-life solutions that you need to know about. We aim to make you a know-it-all about education law, policy, and practice as it affects you. I am your host, Allison R. Brown of Allison Brown Consulting, ABC. I am a civil rights attorney with expertise in the laws that require equity in public education, regardless of students' background or characteristics. Keep up with me at www.allisonbrownconsulting.com. My guest host is the lovely Alexis J. Smith of Entitled to Educate. Good morning, Alexis. Good morning. She is a community engagement and parent empowerment specialist. Check her out at www.entitledtoeducate.com. Today we are going to discuss the fiscal cliff and sequestration. The President and Congress began talks on Friday to discuss a resolution to the significant spending cuts and tax increases known as sequestration. Most of us know enough to be afraid of the looming sequestration, but what exactly is it? What would it mean to fall off the fiscal cliff? Specifically, what would it mean for our children, our teachers? What should parents know? What should educators expect? What can we do right now to prevent and or prepare for the fiscal cliff? Let's listen to a a quick snippet of President Obama's speech about the fiscal cliff just a few days after he was reelected. Our work is made that much more urgent because at the end of this year, we face a series of deadlines that require us to make major decisions about how to pay our deficit down, decisions that will have a huge impact on the economy and the middle class, both now and in the future. But, as I've said before, we can't just cut our way to prosperity. If we're serious about reducing the deficit, we have to combine spending cuts with revenue. And that means asking the wealthiest Americans to pay a little more in taxes. I'm open to compromise. I'm open to new ideas. I'm committed to solving our fiscal challenges. But I refuse to accept any approach that isn't balanced. I'm not going to ask students and seniors and middle-class families to pay down the entire deficit while people like me making over $250,000 aren't asked to pay a dime more in taxes. And let me make one final point that every American needs to hear. Right now, if Congress fails to come to an agreement on an overall deficit reduction package by the end of the year, everybody's taxes will automatically go up on January 1st. Everybody's, including the 98% of Americans who make less than $250,000 a year. So what does this all mean? Let's get some answers. I am thrilled to welcome to Know It All Mr. John Roussel, a charter school finance specialist for EDOPS in Washington, D.C., an organization that provides business management services to schools in the Washington, D.C. area. John has been an English teacher in Atlanta and has a master's degree in business administration from Howard University. John is familiar with the sequestration cuts and what is on the horizon in terms of the cuts that sequestration will bring. Thank you so much for joining us, John. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, John, will you first tell us what exactly is sequestration? So, from, I guess, a pure uh, definition standpoint, sequestration is uh, the employment of automatic, across-the-board spending cuts. Um, So, basically, it's canceling budgeted resources um, 
in amounts that are sufficient enough to reduce the deficit. So I guess to give some context here and how we got here, uh, in 2011, uh, there was a super committee that was put together uh, to work on uh, the deficit reduction. Um, and during that time, during the fall of 2011, they were unable to reach a compromise that would bring the deficit down by uh, $1.2 trillion uh, by the year 2021. So uh, what Congress decided to do uh, to ensure that these cuts actually happened is, I guess, in a, a, a symbolic sense, kind of kicked the can down the road um, by creating the Budget Control Act of 2011, where cuts needed to be agreed, agreed upon uh, by January 2nd, 2013, which is kind of where we're headed right now. Um, so uh, for some people, they viewed it as a political move, um, because with the elections were coming up, uh, people didn't want to necessarily uh, put their uh, election um, outcomes on the line. So now we're kind of at the head, and we need to reach an agreement on uh, spending cuts, as well as, as, as in the clip just mentioned by the president, uh, possible uh, revenue um, revenue additions as well. So uh, this is kind of how we got here. And in terms of the impact, uh, some economists are, are forecasting if there's no deal reached here, we could slip back into a recession. And from, uh, I guess, an education standpoint, uh, there's this notion that we can, in terms of spending on education, we can go back to pre-2003 levels. Um, so it's, it's pretty uh, significant going forward, and, and a decision definitely needs to be made. So there there has been a lot of discussion about sequestration and the fiscal cliff on defense spending especially and what that will mean for military families and how serious that is um, and what how serious that impact will be around the world. I wonder if you could speak a little more specifically about what parents and educators should know about how sequestration will affect <clears throat> their children. So, I mean, as as you mentioned, the, the two biggest items that keep coming up in the conversation here are, is defense spending and education spending, and it's almost as if we have to choose between the two, which is uh, pretty tough to do considering, I guess, the things that are going on in the world uh, on the defense side, but also the fact that uh, when we look at education across the world, the United States is trailing so so many other nations. So in terms of sequestration and its impact on families, I'll kind of go over some uh, various data points uh, that have been mentioned if these cuts go through. So I guess in the short term, meaning this school year, uh, schools wouldn't feel uh, the entitlement cut yet. They will really take effect uh, during the next school year, which is 2013-14. Um, so some of the programs that will be cut um, you'll see Title I, which is uh, designed to improve schools, shaved down by a billion. Uh, some of the school improvement grants, which are particularly geared towards low and moderate income students, will go down $40 million. Um, then you have improving teacher quality grants that go down $192 million, and it limits the professional development for uh, nearly 198,000 teachers, which is which is really significant. 
um, some of the impacts as you move throughout education. So federal work study, which is essential to uh, several low and moderate income students being able to afford college, will be decreased by $76 million. And then some of, for on the university side, many chancellors are struggling with this notion of how, how do they pay for research because large cuts will be made uh, to their research budgets, which is the foundation or the crux of, of why these universities often exist. So I think from, I guess, a familial and a student perspective, many much of the funding that goes to help those who are in disadvantaged positions will be gone. So it's almost, I guess you can say, a, a widening of the gap uh, between the have and have-nots if some of these cuts were to take place. That That is very um, frightening. And I think that, you know, there has to be um, some thought about the federal money that's involved in education. I think that it's very easy to, to see, you know, how schools operate on a local level, but then to think about the, the federal spending that actually goes into education and how those federal monies, um, once withdrawn, will impact overall um, our school system is really uh, upsetting. Alexis, you've done a lot of work with and for parents ch of children who are in school and who are homeschooled. What do you think they most need to know in terms of sequestration? Well, um, I think John has given us a lot of information, certainly, you know, in terms of keywords um, that parents can take the initiative to just learn more. Certainly resources like the Know-It-All radio show are excellent ways to get involved in the conversation, to just familiarize yourself not only with, you know, what is currently being discussed, but where, you know, some of these um, issues and considerations stemmed from. Um, social media is an excellent resource for um, getting that information and then um, joining the conversation. If uh, parents are not already following or engaging with their uh, congressional representatives, this is a good time to get started. Um, you can find out if your uh, congressional representatives are online, tweeting, Facebook, what have you, um, through their individual websites. And once you do um, determine how to reach them via social media, you know my recommendation is that you go ahead and engage um, with a, an urgent and personal message, but something that's uh, not adversarial. You don't want to take that level of approach. You want to speak in terms of support, um, personalize your outreach with pictures. Um, you know, there are a lot of Instagram and other, you know, opportunities to create very vivid um, messages within, you know, the framework of a picture that always drives the message home, you know, stronger than a thousand words. Um, you can use hashtags. There are several hashtags that are trending right now as it relates to uh, sequestration. Certainly sequestration is one of them. Another is education, uh, physical cliff. I'm sorry, fiscal cliff, um, a hashtag with your state, a hashtag with the uh, representative that you are reaching out to, a strategy. There are a million others. And you can also create your own. Um, the idea, however, is to be consistent. One of my catchphrases is, you know, creativity is cool, consistency is classic. You want to continue to follow up. You want them to recognize your voice as um, one that is active, um, aware, and willing to work together, you know, in partnership. I think if nothing else, that's something that uh, parents can begin to look forward to doing more of, and that is, you know, uh, providing their own 
uh, time and talents in a collaborative uh, way as we work through this. If social media is not your uh, forte, you can look to more uh, traditional ways of engaging, uh, getting the facts and joining the conversation, attending a town hall meeting, um, sending a letter, and you can find out um, information on um, exactly what your congresspersons are doing uh, by going to house.gov or senate.gov for more information. So, John, I was thinking and taking notes on the information that you're giving, and I'm wondering, you know, we know that a lot of on-the-ground activity that we see in education in terms of community engagement and um, grassroots organizing is funded locally by donors and by local and state organizations. Um, how real will the federal cut impact what happens at a local level? Uh, I, I think that's that's kind of the biggest issue here is a lot of the cuts that I previously discussed were federal money that's sent down to state and local governments to support uh, local programs, educational institutions, school districts. And uh, the reality uh, since the recession hit in 2008 is that a lot of states and local governments have been dealing with their own budget shortfalls. So when you pull this money that they've been receiving and guaranteed to get uh, over these last few years, when you cut some of that, then you're cutting viable programs. So uh, the, the study that I'm referencing in terms of looking at some of these numbers um, it's a study that uh, uh, Democratic Senator Tom Harkin of Iowa put out um, where he outlined some of the cuts and the potential uh, money that would be lost there. And uh, some of the programs aren't just uh, pure educational programs. So uh, health outreach and initiatives will be cut. Um, Head Start, which is related to education, uh, could, be, could be decreased by nearly $621 million. And studies have shown that uh, children who are in Head Start and early childhood education have um, a, a better have better educational outcomes in the long term. So, I guess from a societal perspective, if you re if you remove some of the, the this critical funding, then it's gonna it's gonna have a major impact um, later down the line, as as some of these people may not be equipped to enter the economy. Um, there could be, as we've seen in some states, uh, issues where uh, you have students who are under-equipped to enter the economy and then enter the penal system. So uh, I think on a local level, uh, they'll feel it the most, and particularly, uh, as I mentioned before, in these uh, low and dis disadvantaged income uh, areas who, who need it the most and where this funding is, is used to provide equity uh, so that they have the same rights that everybody else has in America. I think a, a very important issue that Alexis has raised is that it may not be too late, and and you know for parents and community members to get involved right now and to be able to speak specifically to their congressional representatives about cut $40 million in cuts to school improvement grants, which is which is tremendous, and teacher improvement cuts and, uh, you know, Title I money, which goes to support and pay parent liaisons and parent coordinators in schools, in Title I schools in some of the disadvantaged areas that you mentioned, John, mm -hmm. um, will have a tremendous impact on, you know, being on parent engagement and parent coordination and parent involvement. 
um, and making sure that parents are aware of activities that the school is is conducting, but also making sure that parents are actual partners in uh, the educational process of their children, uh, which is exactly what Title I monies are intended to to help do. Um, And like you said, Head Start programs for early childhood, which is crucial. Um, And we know that the, the gaps start as early as kindergarten for children who are just entering school and as compared to their peers who have been in in preschool and and, um, daycare facilities that are actually providing educational programs. So I think, you know, it, it, it is crucial that parents and communities get involved. What do you think, John? Is it too late in your, in your opinion? Is, is sequestration likely to happen right now? Um, What, what is your sense of whether this is real? Uh, I, I think some of it is is real. I think there'll have to be uh, a, a choice between defense or education. Um, and I, I mean, based on on what we've seen uh, from the election and 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 various debates, uh, I would like to see education kept on the table as something that we wouldn't cut, considering where we're at uh, globally in terms of student achievement. Um, but the reality is, I think the second time around with with the sequestration cuts, uh, there's more motivation, I think, by the House and Senate uh, Republicans um, to, to nail out a deal. I think some of the reason that we didn't get a deal the last time was everybody was worrying about their political status and whether they would be able to keep their jobs. Well, now uh, I guess Barack Obama has more political capital because he can't necessarily this, he's at the end of his four years, um, so he can, I guess, try harder to nail out a deal that, like he says, uh, brings in revenue, but also uh, does take into consideration some cuts to certain programs that we may or may not need. Um, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people from an economic standpoint have been pushing is that uh, you can make these cuts, and that's 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 fine, but you also have to, for a longer-term solution, you, there needs to be an increase in revenue, and I think that's where uh, some of the political uh, political lines have been drawn and how we actually do that. Um, but it's, it's definitely not too late, uh, as Alexis mentioned, for people to reach out to their elected officials. Um, several people in the business community before the election re- reached out, and I feel like the same thing needs to happen in, in these communities and with our uh, community activists is that they need to push the button and push the envelope uh, to their elected officials about the importance of uh, making sure some of these cuts uh, don't impact education and, and critical initiatives in their communities. John, do you think that it's likely that, that pres- the president and Congress will kick the can down the road, as you said? Will they just kind of say, we'll, we'll delay a, a final decision on the actual budget for another year so that we're in exactly the same position next year of wondering whether it's going to happen and how? I, from, from my standpoint and what I've seen so far, I don't think so. I think there's too much pressure from the business community, economists, and, and various uh, financial leaders uh, of the implications if we do this again, push it down the road. Um, we're starting to uh, have some of the uh, some progress made in terms of rising out of recession. Uh, we're having slow growth, but it's some growth as opposed to what we've had in the past few years. Uh, 
and uh, derailing this, uh, it's just going to bring the progress that we made. It's going to set it further back. Um, so I think there, I'm optimistic that a deal uh, will likely be made before January um, to prevent to prevent that from happening. And just quickly, what is what is the process, John? What 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 happens if if at the end of the year there is no agreement? What happens on January first or second? Is is there are the cuts automatic, or is there some federal bureaucrat sitting somewhere waiting to to not issue checks or to tear up checks that they have written? Uh, well, from the research I've done, it's shown that uh, the cuts are seemingly automatic. So one of the big cuts that's always brought up are the Bush tax cuts, which were uh, tax cuts for uh, those people over those those families that make over two hundred and fifty thousand. So at January first, those some of those cuts will wear off, um, and that's not necessarily a quote unquote tax increase. Um, but it's just the cut wears off. So I think what 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 we'll see is that uh, we'll have there won't necessarily be be someone that'll say no, you can't have this check. Um, but some of these uh, benefits that people have had over the last uh, few years uh, will, will likely wear off, and they won't be getting them again. Um, and I mean, like like I discussed prior, uh, we hope that it, it wouldn't get to that point. So, well, John, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Allison. I apologize. Okay. Go ahead, Alexis. John, I was just going to ask. You know, I, I appreciate your your optimism, and I'm going to embrace it myself as well. But if we do reach that point um, where decisions are made and cuts do take effect, will we see them immediately, or are we talking about next school year, or is it going to be something that um, depends on the individual school district? Well, the, the specific cuts, if, if those happen, if specifically for school districts, those wouldn't happen until the following school year. So this school okay. year is already set in stone. They have their funding. But if there's cuts that are made, uh, then you'll start to feel that uh, next school year um, for schools in particular, uh, some some things that are off the table, uh, Pell Grants, Transportation Fund, Social Security, uh, Medicaid is and Social Security are kind of uh, being discussed of revamping those systems. So there will probably be a time where they would have to make some adjustments, kind of what, what occurred with the, the health bill that was just passed. They, there was some time where some parts of the bill went into effect immediately, and things like the uh, insurance, um, these ex insurance exchanges, they had to uh, take some time to set that up. So I would envision if there are any critical cuts like that, uh, some provisions will take effect immediately, and then they'll have to work out the details going down the line. But specifically related to education spending, the funding that that has been allocated for this year, it's going to stay the same. It's the following school year when those will take effect. Okay. John, I have I have one um, broader question for you, mm -hmm. and I think you know there's been a lot of conversation about sequestration and the actual and the process of sequestration, and you know the the compromises that are hopefully taking place behind the scenes. What 
stepping back and looking at the bigger picture, do you think that this will even work in terms of reducing the deficit? Will if we we eventually fall off this fiscal cliff, is that something that's going to work to reduce the deficit? Um, I, I think it is. Uh, when you look, I guess, across the globe, uh, we see uh, countries like Greece and Spain who have not handled this situation very well, um, have had their debt downgraded, um, and are in a position where many people in their country uh, are, are finding it hard to find jobs um, if find it hard to just survive daily. So I think uh, having these discussions and particularly bringing down the deficit uh, puts the country in a, in, a better economic, uh, in a better economic light and enables, them, uh, enables us as a country uh, to continue growing. Um, that's kind of what we're on the path to is uh, we're slowly building momentum. The housing market is slightly coming back. Um, and we're making some, uh, I guess, positive gains. And I think this is just another uh, another way for us to continue growing as, as a nation economically is once we start to have these conversations and bring down the deficit that we've kind of continued to kick down the road over these several years, uh, I think there will be uh, significant uh, growth that comes out of this and uh, positive economic opportunity for people in America. Great. Well, I, one one last question for you is, uh, you know, I, in the media coverage, it's been striking to me just how relatively small the education portion of the federal budget is, especially when compared to the defense budget. Mm-hmm. What do you think that says about our national priorities? Uh, I think it, it's very telling. Um, I think we kind of got on the kick, the defense kick, uh, in the World Wars, World War One, World War Two. We saw how. Uh, how that can drive and create a lot of jobs, and we haven't necessarily been out of a war uh, since almost the 50s. So, I mean, I, I think it's it's telling uh, that we value defense more than education. Um, but there's there's a study that's done by the uh, OECD every, uh, I think it's every year, um, and it's regarding uh where we stand and where all countries stand in terms of ec- academic achievement and we've consistently been outside of the top 10 for several of these studies and i think it's it's almost a result of where we we're putting our values as a nation um uh and and spending tells a lot of where your values are uh, i think we in some instances and over the past few years we have uh value being uh, spending more money on defense, um, and and when you look at kind of from an economic economic standpoint, GDP, and what's really going to drive economic growth in this country, it's education. So that's why I would hope that uh, as we have these talks and we try to avoid the fiscal cliff, that education remains a priority, so that uh, as we look to develop, you know, the talk uh, throughout the election was green jobs and various uh, new economic opportunities, well, in order to get that, uh, we have to have educated workers. And this has to, in terms of these cuts, then we shouldn't necessarily be uh, cutting education if, if this is a goal of our country. Wonderful. We will leave it there for now and wait until January 1, 2013, to see what happens. 
John Roussel is a charter school finance specialist for EdOps. Thank you so much for joining us, John. Thanks for having me. And many thanks to you, our audience, for joining us. We have learned so much today about what the fiscal cliff is and what it will mean to education. You now know what you must do. I want to also thank my wonderful co-host, Alexis Smith. Um, what last thoughts do you have for, for parents and families, Alexis? Um, I think one of the uh, underlying things with what we've discussed is, you know, priorities. And the, obviously the choice between uh, funding defense and funding education is a difficult one, to say the least. Um, so if I may suggest that we pray for mm -hmm. our decision makers and for our families as we move into and through this season, um, I think that's a great place to start. And I also believe that, you know, we may, we may not be able to address all the issues, but you start where you are with what you have, with what you can do right now. And from a community perspective, uh, you know, you go to your PTA. If you don't get the response to your questions, concerns, and ideas from the PTA level, move up to your principal. If not there, your superintendent and beyond. You know, we are certainly entering um, a season where we must reconsider and more strongly embrace the village taking responsibility um, approach. I think that, you know, parents can prepare themselves in very tactical ways, some of uh, which were discussed this morning, and in other ways, simply prepare your mind and your spirit to uh, find ways to lend your talent back to your community, back to your schools, back to your Head Start programs, your after-school programs, if that's co-teaching, um, helping with fundraising, if you have to make and slice peanut butter sandwiches into quarters to take to the after-school program because, you know, funds have, have dried up for snacks after school, find ways to do that, and I'm sure that, you know, with, with the uh, heart, mind, and body in the right place, We'll find a way to make it happen. You are now officially certified know-it-alls on sequestration in the fiscal cliff. Go forth and share what you have learned. Have a wonderful week and a wonderful holiday. We'll be here same time next to discuss Democratic small d discussion in education. Thank you. <laughs>